so we're going to start off with a little quick introduction of something we talked about a couple weeks ago, thoughts for freshmen, but they're good for everybody to remember. And then we're going to jump into our, our series that we've been going through. So, so a few things, thoughts for freshmen, but good for everybody to remember. First of all, if you're in college, you're going to be getting lots and lots and lots of information. You're going to be getting lots of knowledge, okay? And it's going to be thrown at you in a, an intense way. But you know what we're going to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 8? Is that if you're not careful, knowledge can make you puff up. So if you just have knowledge, but you don't work through these other things that we're going to talk about, you're probably going to be very puffed up. I want to give you a little warning as we're talking about Christian liberty, 1 Corinthians 8, 9, 10, these chapters. There can be a temptation for you to take that information and want to debate people over it. You remember last week, we were, and I'm going to ask you guys to remind me a little bit, um, last week when we get to the, the theological triage, do you remember we talked about the primary issues, the secondary issues, and then the tertiary issues? So I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to call on some of you to give me examples of those. But if you're not careful, if you take knowledge and apply it the wrong way, then it's going to lead to arrogance is what Paul talked about. So how do we apply knowledge the right way? First of all, you have to make sure you're taking that knowledge. And this doesn't matter where you go to college, and it doesn't matter where you get knowledge from. You have to filter your knowledge through the right perspective. One of the things we want to do in this class, one of our missions is to help you think wisely and biblically. So you want to filter that knowledge through a, a biblical worldview. Um, many of you here go to a Christian college. Some of you here um, go to a college that is more secular. Um, you can take Christian knowledge, and if you don't apply it the right way, it's nothing but noise, right? And you can take secular knowledge, and we all get influenced um, from secular knowledge, and there's great knowledge secularly. And when you apply that the right way, it, it can be really incredible. Um, we do have some guys visiting from South Alabama University. Can you guys wave back there? They're, they're on the basketball team in South Alabama. Um, Elijah Ormiston um, is here, and um, he was at Palmetto for many, many years. But um, you can, they are a pretty, are you guys look like they have a pretty good team this year? So South Alabama, go meet these guys afterwards, and then go, go follow them and watch, watch their highlights. So it's good to have you guys. Um, and tell me your name again. I'm sorry. Good to meet you, Julian. Yeah, I met him earlier and um, look forward to, to seeing you guys play. So applying the lens of a biblical role is vitally important, vitally important. But what that needs to lead to in your own personal life, this is the third thing that we are very committed to here, is helping you understand what convictions you have. Like, I, this is what I am going to decide. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm wisely putting this knowledge through a biblical worldview. But am I going to decide to apply this to my own life? Like, is, is that what you're going to do? We've talked about this a lot. You have to make faith your own. You're at the age where it's not your parents' faith anymore. You know, you're, you are having to decide, am I going to believe this or not? Am I going to believe what we here at Palmetto are teaching, what the Bible says? Maybe how your, your parents taught you. Maybe how your parents didn't teach you. I don't know your home background. But you are now at the point where you have to decide, am I going to have conviction of these things? And then as you decide and have conviction and you apply that on a daily basis, what you are doing there is you're building character. You're building Christian character. And by the way, we do this in a lot of areas of our life. You know, some of you get up early 
and you read your Bible, you pray, and you do that day after day, that is developing character. Some of you get up early to go run cross-country practice. Some of you get up early to practice for basketball. These are all things that are developing your character. Are you developing your character around your convictions of what you know about God? And then that leads to the last one. And the last one is skill. It's skill for living. Now, here's what, a lot, here's what I see a lot of times. is A lot of times you look around and you get knowledge about something and you want to immediately go to skill. You look around and you say, well, how come that person can live a Christian life and it looks easy or they look very content even in bad circumstances? I want that. And what you can't do is you can't skip the middle ones. All right, so as we talk through... Um, and, and go ahead now and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. As we start talking through things like Christian liberty, and we start asking some of these questions, what we want to be thinking about is as you decide and as you develop, you are going to live a life of skill. Another word for this little outline, by the way, is sanctification. It's Christian growth. You know, if you get frustrated in your sin battle or struggle, or you get frustrated um, in different areas of the Christian life, you're frustrated because you don't think you're skillful. But some of you have never taken time to really think through and have wise application of what you know. Practice that every day and build that character. That's what leads to that, that skill. So let's talk about Christian liberty. And let me, let me go to last week. So if you didn't draw this little outline, if you have a pen, you don't have a pen, we'll, we'll start a pack of pens here. Right, pass it around. If you have your booklet, or if you take notes on your phone, I would draw this little diagram. We call it the Theological Triage. This is taken from Dr. Al Mohler, who wrote a book about this. And what he said is we need to make sure and have wisdom to divide up between primary issues, secondary issues, and tertiary issues. And we talked about this last week. So, is anybody brave enough to say, I'll give you an example of a primary issue that we talked about last week. Who? And by the way, then I'm going to call on somebody to do a, an example of a secondary and a tertiary. But the reason why I had you guys vote on these different issues when we called them out was it takes wisdom to know where to apply some of these. And by the way, this is a, this is very important. You may put something in a different category as others, and that's okay. But it's totally okay to to look differently at some of these things. Um, and that, that's why we're talking about, you know, what's really, really important. And then how do we have wisdom with the other things? So give me an example of a primary issue. Luke, can you do it? So Luke says an example of a primary issue would be a authority of scripture. So a top level primary issue. These are issues that the faith of the whole church is involved. So I would definitely put the authority of scripture in our life. That, that scripture is ordained from God, given to us from God. That would be what we would call a primary issue of primary importance. Now, who can give me an example of a secondary issue? Bennett. All right, so secondary issues are this. They are shared beliefs of a theological tradition, confessional community, or denomination. One of those would be types of baptisms, maybe church government. We're a Baptist church, which means we believe that you, you are saved, and then part of that, that next step is to declare to the Lord to the world, this is what the Lord's done in my life. Uh, so we believe in a believer's baptism. Yesterday I was at a wedding, and um, at the wedding I was talking to a man who had recently moved to Greenville, and he said, I said, well, you know what, you know, the church thing, you know, like, and I knew him, and they had, he moved from like the Atlanta area, and 
Um, I said, what about the church thing? How's that going? He's like, well, one of my kids goes to a Presbyterian church. One goes to a Baptist church. And we're looking at these two, you know, options. And, and they came from more of a Baptist church background. He said, so if we end up at the Presbyterian church, there's some things we're going to have to kind of work through. Um, so he may be placing baptism in that third category. You know, for me, I, I place baptism as a, as, as a secondary category. I think it's very important. And, and the body of believers that I am going through fellowship with, I want them to have a shared view of baptism. So that's a fantastic um, illustration there for the second one. So these are important issues, but ones where the gospel is not at stake. And we talked about a warning last week. If you make everything a second or third level issue, okay? If you make everything a second or third level issue, then nothing is of primary importance anymore. You know? And so the, the danger is often in hyper-fundamentalism or sectarianism, where everything is a top-level issue, you're missing the opportunity to really look at what Paul says of the issues that are of most utmost importance. First importance is what Paul talked about. So we want to make sure we understand what is of first importance and then have wisdom on applying those, those others to, to the other issues. So somebody give me an example of a tertiary issue, this third level. Who's brave? Give me a third level example. Yes, Maddie. So, um, so give me a little bit more on that. But when you say alcohol, because we're going to be when we get to Christian liberty, we're going to be talking about about alcohol. So, um, so I would say there's a way to. Well, give me a little more. What you might be thinking there. Yeah, good. So, is it okay? I'm going to add something to it. Is it okay to moderately drink alcohol or not? All right. Because in just a minute, our first question that we're going to have um, uh, about, about Christian liberty is, is it right or wrong? And alcohol is a wisdom issue. And let me be very clear. Drinking alcohol to get drunk and to escape the world or to look cool in front of friends or to drown your sorrows is wrong. Like that's, that's an absolute wrong and we have it very clearly taught from the Word of God. So, so if you're if you're debating, should I be getting drunk? Should I be out partying with friends, getting drunk? The answer is no. Like, like no. This this is a very so. So when we start talking about Christian liberty, that is not a liberty you have. You do not have that liberty. So let me. Be, so isn't it great when there's black and white that's taught from the Bible? Then you don't have to think about it. And you don't have to wonder about it. But some Christians moderately drink alcohol. And so that is something that takes incredible wisdom. And yes, I would put that as, at a tertiary, I would put that as a third level type issue. Some people say it's okay if you can moderately drink alcohol. Some people say, you know, no, in my conscience, I can't do that. And we should be welcoming to, to both. Um, but it does take wisdom. By the way, if you live in America and you're under 21, you shouldn't be drinking alcohol because it's against the law of the land. That's another, that's another kind of criteria that we use here. Um, so, so there you go. Now, some of you are going to definitely go to debate that later. So um, good. So that give me another example of a tertiary issue. What would be another, another third level tertiary issue? Anybody? Yes. Yeah. Dress, how you dress, you know, and we could throw lots of things into that third level. We could put dress code. We could put, you know, oh, 
we'll we'll do the music one later. That one that one be we'll we'll do the music one next week or, or in a couple weeks. Um, but there's many other things that we would put entertainment, how you how you use entertainment, all of those would be things. So let let me work through some questions on. Let's see, we will. So turn to First Corinthians chapter eight, and and on your in your books, turn to page number fifteen. So if you're not there already, turn to page number fifteen. And I'm going to have First Corinthians up here, but actually, if you you can hold your place there, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter five. So that's an important important passage I want to start with. Galatians chapter five. By the way, if you have sometimes trouble finding those. Pauline epistles, Galatians, and Philippians, Ephesians, wait a second, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Um, has anybody ever heard of General Electric, the company before? So if you've ever heard of General Electric Power Company, that's the order of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So General Electric Power Company. That's your freebie for today, all right? That's your freebie. Um, so if you look at Galatians chapter 5, and um, who, who will be brave enough to answer a question for me in just a minute? Somebody raise your hand to answer my first question. All right, Audrey's going to answer my first question. Um, and I'm going to read a passage that goes along with our very first question, and that is this. When it comes to questions regarding Christian liberty, question number one, do I have a hypersensitive conscience? And we're going to read these verses from Galatians, and then Audrey's going to answer the question what is it that this verse, this passage is talking about that we're free from, okay? And then after she answers that, I'm going to ask somebody else to answer it, go a little bit further. And I'm going to ask you, what are we free from and what are we free to, okay? What are we free from and what are we free to? And if I call on you to answer it, if you think about the song we sang this morning when it, it was finished upon that cross, if you think about the words in that song in the middle, it talks about those two things. So that's a little hint for where we're going. So on everybody thinking, all right? So when you guys come in here, you need to have your theological brains engaged, all right? This is not just entertainment time. This is for you to think through it. So let me read it. Audrey's going to answer that first question. Um, what were the Galatian church, what were they um, having a hypersensitive conscience about? So Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says this, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Remember, we are free to something and free from something. That's what we're looking for here. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you, that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts, accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would not be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. This is our introductory passage, and we're about to go back to 1 Corinthians. But Audrey, would you be willing to stand? Y'all stand, yeah, yeah. And then tell us in this passage, 
What were they struggling with in terms of a hypersensitive conscience, and what should they be free from? Well, I think they were trying to like do everything that the law was telling them to do, and they spent this tabernacle saying we're free from that. Like it's not a list of things you have to keep in order to gain salvation or Christ's acceptance. Perfect. So we are free from having to keep the law. That that's this first freedom. We are free from having to keep the law. We mentioned this earlier when we were talking about our responses to those songs in our first service. And and we said, often we don't feel like we can go to God because we think we're guilty and we have to clean up our life before we can go before him. But what this passage is teaching us is that we are free from having to keep the law. Specifically here, some of the Jews were teaching that if you were not circumcised, you were not really a Christian. And so they were doing the gospel plus circumcision. Let me ask you a question. What do you add to your view of the gospel? Gospel plus something else. We're free from that. Now, what else are we free from? Maybe according to that song. That's exactly what this passage was teaching. But also we're, we're free from, from something else. What? What is it? I see. Come on. Come on, somebody. Raise your hand. Be brave. Am I going? I might go to the back back there. I see Jack. I see Andrew. I see Morgan. One of you three. Morgan's like, no, I wasn't here for the first service. I don't remember the song. <laughs> what else are we free from? Is this a hard question? I'm sorry, everybody's just nervous. We're going to go to Ashton and then we'll come up here to Elijah. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're free from having to, to keep the law, and we're free from guilt that, that sin brings. Like, we're, you are free from both sides of that. You are free, Elijah, is that what you were going to kind of say? Or what? Yeah. Okay, so you are free from having to serve sin or having to serve the law. Last week we talked about a parable that's one of my favorite parables in the Bible, um, and it starts off, it says, a certain man had two sons and the younger the son asked for his inheritance, you know, and then, so that is called the parable of the everybody on the count of three say it, the parable of, right? Now that's not what Jesus called it, right? Jesus says the exact words in Luke are, there was a certain man who had two sons. So should it be a parable just about the bad one who went and spent all of his, you know, money or should it be a parable about maybe both sons and how they both responded wrongly to the father? Or, let me tell you again what the parable is called. There was a certain man who had two sons. What is this parable really about? It's really not about the two sons. It's about the father. It's about the father who, when both of his sons missed it, one of them went this way of the world to be a slave to sin. One of them went this way of the law, and at the end, he remember how bitter he was? Remember how mad he was when his brother came back, and he, and he wouldn't go into the party? You remember what the, what the older son said when the father came out to him? By the way, the father came out to both of them. He ran after the, the prodigal son when he returned home, and he ran out to the elder son. And, and at that moment when he goes out, the older son says, here this son of yours who wasted all of our inheritance on prostitutes and you're giving him this huge party and he said you never even killed a little goat for me to celebrate with my friends 
even though I've served you all these years. Do you have an elder son mentality sometimes? Do you sometimes go to God and say, God, it's not fair that you're putting me through this trial or this pain because I just want to serve you. I just, I just want to, I just want to, you know, do all these great things for you and you're not giving me what I know I deserve. I've been serving you all, all this life. Um, I was going to share this, but I'll just share one of the times in my life where this was the most real was um, after our son Andrew was born. So Andrew's up here. Um, after our son Andrew was born, Lauren had a miscarriage. And I remember thinking, oh, you know, lots of people this happens to, you know, we're going to, we'll be, be fine. We'll get through it. And then she got pregnant again. And, and she was much further along the second time. And she had a second miscarriage. And I remember being in the hospital and this was, so this was our two children between Andrew and Abby. So Abby's here right now. Um, but I remember being in the hospital and Lauren was back. They were, they were, she was going through this procedure. And I remember saying very clearly to God, God, this is not fair. Don't you know, we just want to have a family. Don't you know, we just want to have Andrew. We want Andrew to have a sibling. Um, we just want to bring our family to church and have, you know, take the, take our kids to Sunday school and let them grow up. It's not fair that you let this happen and you're not giving me what I know I deserve to have because I'm serving you. Have you ever had that mindset? If, you, if you've ever had that mindset, you know what you are. You're an elder brother. You're an elder brother that says, God, I've served you all, all of my life and I deserve to have this. When it comes to Christian liberty, often we miss it on one of those two sides. Often when you're making decisions about your Christian liberty, Many, many times you will choose a pathway of license, meaning because I can do it, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this as far as I can. And sometimes we, we miss it by pursuing a pathway of legalism. So do you have a hypersensitive conscience when it comes to what God has said? So we are free. We're free from having to please God and we're free from having to serve sin. But we also are free to something. What are we free to? And again, that song that we sang says it. Does anybody, somebody look up the words if you haven't. We are free to what? James, say it real out. We are free to live and we are free to love. Do you know that when you truly understand what Jesus did for you and paid this incredible price, you are free to love people unconditionally because that's how you've been loved. You see, what we do often in our lives is we think we have this little piggy bank, and this is love. And, and what has to happen is we have to have people pour into that piggy bank and, and get love from people. So we seek after people to get that love. And then we have just what's in that piggy bank, and then we can give that out. But we have to give it out very sparingly. Like we really can't love people too much because it'll drain us. And so then we have to come back and find people that, wait, who's going to love me the way I need to be loved? And, and what, what God says is you're like a trust fund baby that has billions of dollars that you don't even have this little piggy bank. You have billions of dollars of my love. And when you recognize that you truly can love people without an expectation that they love you back. You truly can say I'm forgiven from God, even though some of you in your minds have done some of those horrible sins you could ever imagine. You know, some of you have slept around with people. Some of you have been doing drugs and alcohol. Um, and you think God can never forgive me. God can never use me. And that's not true. You are free. When you see what Christ has done for you, you are free to love people completely. Um, also, you are free to live in a freedom that the gospel provides. 
you do not have to be held hostage um, by, by circumcision or whatever it is that we face today. All right, so we're going to keep going here. Um, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, you guys are going to interact with me on, on some of this from a time standpoint because I do want you to get out of here early. So 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and here are the questions that we're going to ask. We already talked about the hypersensitive conscience. Question two, do I know that what I'm talking about is okay? And, and this verse starts about this. Now, concerning food, this is chapter 8, verse 1. Concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. Remember we talked about this earlier, that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Free to live, free to love. This is what the gospel does. So if anyone imagines that he knows something, yet he does not know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. So first question, do we know that it's okay? So if you're, if you're struggling with something in terms of Christian liberty, you have to ask this first. So I used that illustration about alcohol earlier. It's not okay to get drunk. It's not okay to use alcohol to deaden your senses and to make you separate from the world. You know, and it's not okay to use alcohol to try to connect with friends. Um, you need to be extremely wise with that. But those things are not okay. So if you're wondering if something, looking at porn is not okay. So, so that's not a Christian liberty. That's not a Christian liberty. Um, so first of all, do you know it's okay? That's a simple one. Um, and I wish a lot more things were clearly black and white like they are. But if you're not doing the black and white things, don't even bother to try to get to the wisdom issues that we're about to talk about. You can't get there because you're not, you're not doing those first things. Number three, am I loving people around me? Philippians 2.4 talks about this. Let each esteem others better than himself. Am I loving people well around me? Um, let me give you just an example of this when it comes to loving people. There may be times you have to give up your liberty to love other people. And you know what? That's totally okay. That's okay. Whether you eat the meat or you don't eat the meat, that's not the issue. Sometimes you have to give up your Christian liberties to love others. Number three, am, am I, I'm sorry, number, that's number three. Number four, am I putting God or my liberties first? Look at verses four through six. Let me read those. Chapter eight, verses four through six. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence. And that there is no God but one. For although there may be many so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords. Remember, little g, little l, those are in comparison to our God. These are little gods, little lords. Yet for us, there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. So are you putting your liberties first? Because here's the deal. If you're putting your Christian liberties first, you may be creating a little God and a little Lord. Or are you saying, no, 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 I'm understanding who God is and what he wants for my life, and I'm going to have wisdom with that. Um, look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. The next question, is this expedient? So when it comes, and again, what we're trying to do is give you a framework to think through your Christian liberties, which are those third tier issues, right? Those third tier or maybe even second tier issues. We're trying to think through those. So is this practice expedient? First Corinthians 10, 23 says this, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. 
For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of the unbelievers invite you, actually, we're going to talk about that whole passage in a little bit later because it is so incredible. Um, but go back to that. Is it lawful? Is it expedient? Let me ask you a question. Is it okay to look at Instagram? Okay, so this, you know, for the most part, yes. Some of you should say, mm, maybe not. But for the most part, looking through social media is okay. Is spending four or five hours a day going through social media and ignoring people around you, not reading the Bible, and not seeking after God, is that okay? So, so now we're talking about, now you see where wisdom starts to enter in? We're talking about what is expedient, what is good, what is right. And so what some of you say is, hey, Instagram is not a black or white thing. Instagram's totally fine. Facebook, watching YouTube TV for hours. TikTok, I don't know. I don't know what everybody's on today. Uh, my younger girls are on TikTok, so. Um, but you know, I'm watching all of these reels and I'm watching all these things on YouTube for hours and hours and hours. That might not be the expedient thing to do. But in your mind, you say there's nothing wrong with it, so that I'm going to do it. So now we're we're getting into these wisdom issues that 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 take precedent. Is it expedient? Um, and then next one, am I defiling my conscience with something? If, if your conscience is telling you something is wrong, don't do it. Don't do it. It doesn't matter if somebody else does it. If in your conscience it bothers you because of what you see on Instagram, don't do it. Like if in your conscience that's wrong, follow your conscience. Now, we're going to spend weeks coming up talking about our conscience and how to make sure it's calibrated the right way and, and the wisdom with that. But don't do it if your conscience tells you it's wrong. So if you look back at chapter 8, it says, However, not, not all of us possess the knowledge about eating meat or not eating meat. But some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Um, years ago, I was talking to a, a gentleman who had gotten saved out of a 60s and 70s rock and roll culture. So, you know, I was born in 1976. Um, and, and, and I like some of the, you know, the old Southern rock music, you know, that's kind of what I, I grew up listening to. But, but for this individual in the 60s and 70s, he was in a rock culture where he was doing drugs, he was sleeping around, and that music connected to him in a way that it didn't connect to me. Like, that doesn't make me sin, and that doesn't bring up thoughts, you know, for me. Um, so for him, his conscience would not let him listen to that music. And, and even, even if that sound of music spilled over into Christian music, he would struggle with that just a little bit. Whereas other people, we may, we may listen to something that sounds that way and doesn't even, it doesn't even think in our minds, like, wait a minute, there's, there, there's something connected here, you know, because, and I, and I know this may be stepping on some toes, if, you know, some background, but, but a beat in music, that in and of itself is not right or wrong. That's an eating meat issue. That's an eating meat issue. So if you say all music that has a beat is wrong, you're creating a hyper conscience for somebody else that maybe doesn't need to be there. But it's totally fine for you to say, I'm uncomfortable with certain beats because of this or that, that reason, so I choose not to listen to it. Wonderful. This is a Romans 14 type of issue. So, um, Defiling your conscience, you do want to listen to your conscience. Another question, can you do without your Christian liberty? So for, for the sake of evangelism or edification, that's what I had written down there. Um, can you do without your Christian liberty? 
Um, and we've kind of already talked about that. Number eight, am I being a stumbling block by causing others to sin? So look at verses 9 through 13. We're going to knock out these next few ideas and then close. But chapter 8, verses 9 through 13, and what I'm going to ask you guys to participate in now, the next question I'm going to ask you so somebody be thinking about an answer is, what does it mean to call someone to be a stumbling block? What is it when I am a stumbling block? This is, this is a really important concept to understand biblically. Um, so it says this, verse 9, But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you and they have knowledge of eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak. You sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Now, there's some really important ideas that are taught here. Let me give you one. And then we're going to back into what does it mean to be a stumbling block. The first thing that's taught here is that there's an expectation that you know about your Christian brother. You know about them. Don't miss that. That's a really important point. This is why community is very important. This is why sharing with other Christians is very important. There is an idea that you know them well enough to where you know if you're going to cause them to stumble or not. Do you know Christian community that well? Do you know people around you? To where you're like, wait, I've got to be really wise here because I think this may, may cause them to stumble, may, may, disrupt, may cause them to struggle. Um, you need to. You need to have Christian community around you. You need to have in-depth conversations. You need to be asking people about their Christian walk. Like this is, if you just go through life and you talk about sports and you talk about, you know, the things that are fun to talk about and you never go deep, you're missing an opportunity to make sure you are not causing someone to stumble. So somebody, what does it mean? So somebody answer, what does it mean to be a stumbling block? What does that mean? So it's causing someone else to defile their conscience. Okay? That's a logic. Are you taking it further? It causes them to stumble into sin specifically. Good. So defiling of the conscience, and then therefore that leads to a stumbling into sin for that person. Good. What else? What else would people add to that? Now, what, what this isn't is this isn't a preference thing, right? This is not a preference. You can have different preferences and different standards than others. And just because they don't like it, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to stumble and fall. But that example I gave you of music, if I have that friend with me and I'm listening to music that is engendering in him these, these past desires for something, and then that causes him to, to seek that back out, you know, I, I don't know if that would be the case, but but I would I need to find that out. That that's very dangerous. Um, sometimes guys in our conversations, like if you have a guy um, that has struggled or a girl, I don't mean to I don't mean to pick on guys only. I can pick on girls in here too. Um, but but if you have someone who has struggled with things like pornography or lust, and and then you, you're talking in a group of friends, and and somebody walks by and you make a comment about them in some form or fashion and and you cause them to even if it's a joke or if it's just a, a comment on, on a girl that walks by and you cause them to to move back into that sin and to dwell on that you you, you could be causing them to, to stumble you've got to be very very careful um 
And we're, we're going to spend more time talking about stumbling block. And, and we've already, number nine, we've already talked about legalism versus license and balancing that. Um, so number 11, how does practicing liberty properly help me grow in the gospel? How does practicing liberty properly help me grow in the gospel? Um, I want to close by look at 1 Corinthians 10, 10, 31. So if you flip over, I'm curious, who can quote this verse without even looking at it? 1 Corinthians 10, 31, all right? Um, I think we, a lot of us know this verse. Um, in the context of, of what most of us have learned that verse is, um, you know, whatever you're doing, just do it to God's glory. And, and while that, that is very true, the context that we're going to spend the next three weeks getting to, the context there is really not just that. The context of chapter 10 is talking about your Christian liberty. So, so the, even a better way to say that verse is not whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Really, a, a, a better kind of context of that is whether you choose to eat meat or not eat meat, whether you choose to, choose to drink or not drink, whatever it is that you're doing, you're doing it for God's glory. You're not doing it for your glory. And, and you see, that's what, that's what Christian liberty is. It's not about mine. So if you leave here and say, well, I grew up and we couldn't wear, I'm trying to be extreme here, but like, you know, you know, we couldn't wear, um, you know, girls, we couldn't wear pants. We could only wear skirts where I grew up. And now my Christian liberty says that I can wear pants and so I'm going to wear pants all the time. If you just are using this idea of Christian liberty to get something you want, you're missing what's here. What it talks about is even the Christian liberties in your life are used to bring glory to God how you use them, how you practice them. They really aren't yours. There's freedom in Christ. There's freedom to love. There's freedom to live. There's freedom to not be in bondage to sin or legalism. You need to be thinking about both of those. I am not in bondage to legalism. I'm not in bondage to sin. I am free to live and I'm free to love. And that's for God's glory. It's not for my glory. It's because Jesus has done this for me. I can live for him this way. So, so much more. If you look in your books ahead a few weeks, you'll see where we're going to work through some grids of some of these things together. Um, and I'm very excited about that. Very excited for Paul to be teaching next week on a vitally important topic. Um, we care for you guys. We care for your souls. You know, we care for the anxiety that you feel, the stresses you feel. We want to point you back to God's word. We want to point you back to what he has called you to. Um, and as I pray, remember that we're called to freedom. So let's pray. God, thank you for the freedom we have from sin and from having to earn our way to you. So give us confidence in that. Um, be with those here who are overridden with guilt to see that they are free to love and they are free to live. God, I call them to live a life that brings you glory because it's not about their glory. When we focus only on our sin and not on what you've done, we're truly actually focusing on ourselves, and, and we're upset because we're not doing all the things we think we're supposed to do. So God, free us from guilt through what Christ has done to live and to love. And God, free us from the legalism. Free us from the mindset of we deserve certain things because we're serving you. Help us to see that we need to serve you because of what you've done. And in that service, God, we are loving people and we are living a life that you called us to live. And God, I thank you for each person here. I pray that you would bless them as they go. Um, help them to be in community around them that, that knows them and that points them to you. 
So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.